The text for our sermon this morning for the baptism of our Lord is the last verse of the gospel reading, verse 11 of Mark chapter 1. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. The baptism of Jesus shows us God's approval of him to be our substitute, dying for our sins so that we might not die. God's grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's an interesting thing at the baptism of Jesus that all three members of the Trinity are present. No one would take the title of Son of God, much less the Son of God, upon themselves. Many might claim to be a messenger of God. Many might claim to come from God. But to have the Father himself as a witness, you are my beloved Son. This is something unique to true, faithful Christianity. But don't stop there. It isn't just the Father who witnesses of his Son, Jesus. There's also the Holy Spirit who comes down in the form of a dove as a witness. You have two witnesses, two divine witnesses that Jesus is the Son of God. This is something that is unparalleled in the history of mankind, something that no one would be so brave, so arrogant to attempt to say, I am the Son of God, and not have a witness, a second witness, and then think even John the Baptist, a third witness, all of these to confirm our faith, that Jesus Christ is your Savior, and he will not let you go. He is with you to comfort you, to protect, and to provide. Now, I'm told that being a celebrity has its ups and its downs. When you make it big, or maybe even as you win the lottery, friends and family come out of the woodwork. That long-lost relative just stops by, by chance. They nonchalantly ask you, how you doing? And how much money did you win in the lottery again? How much money did you inherit? People will claim to be close to you, perhaps even claiming to be part of your family. However, you can't just claim to be part of someone's family. You can't take someone's last name upon yourself except in mutually agreed circumstances like marriage or adoption. This, of course, is also the storyline of the much-beloved Christmas movie that's becoming a classic rather quickly, the movie Elf. Buddy the Elf claims to be the son of a successful businessman in New York City. This serious businessman does all he can to push Buddy the Elf away. He tries to convince Buddy to leave, but this long-lost son, this elf, desires to have a relationship. He wants someone to love him. Being part of one's family, then, implies that they have an obligation to you, to provide for you, to protect you, to love you. That's why you just can't make yourself part of someone's family. This reality has its roots in the nature of God. The nature of God and, 
and who it is that's part of his family. You can't just claim to be a Christian. You can't just claim to be part of God's family. You must be adopted. You, as Jesus says to Nicodemus, must be born from above. You must have been chosen by God. He must join us to himself in a sort of a marriage or make us his children in a type of adoption. He must father us and give us life. And epiphany, which means reveal, epiphany reveals to us that God works in baptism. That the word of God works with the water, the Holy Spirit, witnesses for you so that you don't take the title of God's child yourself. Epiphany reveals to us that in baptism, God is choosing you. Throughout this epiphany season, we're going to be taught how Jesus is revealed to be the Son of God. Now, there have always been there have always been fake prophets. There have always been many people who claimed to be from God. Muhammad in Islam, and also another major person who claims to be sent from God was Joseph Smith, who started Mormonism. Both of these are two men who claim to be sent by God with a special message. However, None of them had divine witnesses to this that others could account for. None of them would actually be so bold as to take the claim of the Son of God. Muhammad, of course, would never claim that God had a son because that would be below God to become flesh, to be born of a woman. This is a low that is too low for any God Muhammad would follow. Because then, if God became flesh, that would subject him to the same things we suffer, and for Muhammad, that's no God he would love. Joseph Smith of Mormonism also, he would never claim to be the Son of God, but neither does Joseph Smith say that this title, Son of God, is solely the title of Jesus. Because in Mormonism, we are taught that we can be a God just as Jesus is a God. While Muhammad and Islam takes, takes the divinity of Jesus, the divinity of God from Jesus, Mormonism takes the humanity away from Jesus. So the baptism of Jesus is very, it's a very unique Christian epiphany event. It is an event in which Jesus is labeled by the Father and the Holy Spirit to be the Son of God. He's not adopted. He doesn't claim to be a long-lost son he always has been God's son and always will be. Jesus said, the Father and I are one. 
The baptism of Jesus was not for his sake, but for yours. For you to be shown that Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus is approved of by God, and Jesus is the one you should listen to. The baptism of Jesus, of course, is mentioned in all four of the gospel accounts. It is that important because it is the gospel. Because if Jesus is not approved of by God, then he's just like Joseph Smith, he's just like Muhammad, and we should not only ignore him, but we should argue against him. But no, the baptism of Jesus, it's God approving of the work Jesus is going to do to reverse the curse that sin has brought upon you, to reverse the curse that you yourself have brought on other people because of your sin. God, of, God approving of Jesus is a new beginning where the world and humanity is being recreated. God approving of Jesus, of offering himself on your behalf so that you could be recreated as a son of God. Now, why would we make this statement? Well, that's why we hear the Old Testament reading from Genesis today. The Old Testament reading directs us to see Jesus' baptism as the beginning of a new creation. Just as the Spirit hovered over the waters at creation, where light is separated from the darkness, so too when the Spirit descends on Jesus at his baptism, the light of the world begins to pierce the darkness and it cannot be overcome. The Spirit hovered over the waters at creation, not as, not as if the Spirit never existed, but as the way in which God creates through his word, through the Holy Spirit, the Spirit's hovering. Then what happens as a simultaneous event as the Spirit is hovering over the waters, God's Word is spoken. The Spirit works through the Word. But also remember in the Old Testament, Noah and the ark. When God had stopped the rain from falling, the ark came to rest on the mountain to see if it was time to come out of the ark Remember what Noah did. He sent a dove out. The first time the dove returned to him, Noah said, there's no place for the dove to find shelter. It's not time to leave the ark. He waited seven days, seven days of creation. He sent out the dove again, and this time the dove returned to him with a small branch in its beak. The water's receding, but it's not time for the new creation yet. Finally, seven days later, Noah released the dove and it did not return. The flood had done its job. It had washed the world of wickedness and a new people would be begun by Noah and his family. A new beginning. However, sin was not far away. Noah was still a sinner. So now when the Spirit descends upon Jesus in the form of the dove, it is the dove returning. Jesus is our shelter. He is our dwelling place. Jesus is the new sinless 
beginning of creation. In Christ Jesus, a new people would be found without, without the curse of sin as our judgment. A flood of righteousness and holiness would come through this Son of God. This was not Jesus' doing at his baptism, but the Heavenly Father sends the Holy Spirit declaring Jesus to be his beloved Son, the one that he approves of. The water had done its work. Jesus now is shown to all of us to be our shelter. And here's where the epiphany of Jesus as part of God's family doesn't make sense. Most celebrities and rich people will deny any false claims to family ties, family lineage, those falsely claiming to be part of the family. They don't want the liability. They don't want the dirty, they don't want too dirty, the family name. They don't know the people who won't uphold the traditions of the family. They won't abide by the rules of the house. They can't take care of everyone. That's why Walter Hobbs refuses to let Buddy the Elf stay in his uptown apartment. But when Jesus is revealed as the one having the Father's approval, that means he will be thrown out. That means he will be forsaken. The one who didn't break one rule of the family the one who was always found in the house of his father. Jesus is approved of as the one who will be the family reject. Not because he's done anything wrong, but because he desires to give you a place at the family table. He desires to take away all your sin. All of your sin that has thrown you out of the family fellowship with God, all your thoughts, words, and deeds, Jesus desires to take that upon himself, to take the fall for you, to give up his seat, so you may have a place of honor. Because too often, we've considered the fallen ways of this world to be our family heritage. In fact, we've considered friendship with the world, being slaves of the demands of time and this world, to be more profitable than being faithful to our Father. We've sought to be offspring of the devil by our anger and our selfishness. We have raised our hands and slapped our Father in the face. We have crucified His only faithful son. By our sins, we have not been thankful for what our Father has given us. We've dreamed about how life would be better if things went our way, if we could just be part of the family that seems to get everything. The family is of wickedness in this world that seem to have all the money, all the good things. We've worried and stressed about having the approval and being loved by the world. Christian children have compromised the family name by disobeying and disrespecting their parents. 
They've adopted the ways of the world, rebelling against God's teachings on sexuality. Parents have neglected to teach God's word as a priority. All of those habits were the same habits of those swept away in the flood of Noah as a sign of God's punishment. We've asked for the Holy Spirit, for the dove of the Holy Spirit to descend upon ourselves and our kids in baptism. But we've cut down the tree of Sunday school and Bible study for that dove to nest in and to grow us. Jesus is the one approved of by the Father. He is your new beginning. He is your confidence And the Holy Spirit and the Father are the witness to this. He is in the family tree from all eternity. And when he's born in Bethlehem, a new branch blooms to graft you in. A branch of humanity that had long been cut off. In the child born, a new family tree begins. A tree that can weather any storm. Even if you've stood beside it and hacked at it with your own acts of sin this tree will not fall. A family tree that has its trunk and roots anchored on the hill outside of Jerusalem, this cross where a family tree begins anew for you. For you to pull of its fruit, for the Holy Spirit to lift you up and grow these fruits in you, that of faithfulness, love, joy, peace, and patience, gentleness, and kindness. With the death and resurrection of Jesus, humanity is grafted into this new family by faith. To be forgiven all sins, your history of sin to be erased, your name to be changed, you adopted into the family, Christ takes his church as his bride and gives us his name. So now, baptism creates you new. The Spirit, again, hovering over these waters where the Spirit and the Word work together to declare you forgiven. It is there that God is your witness. It is there that the Holy Spirit is your witness. It is that time when God adopts you, just as Jesus was labeled to be the Son of God, so now you are brought into the family. You are adopted, or as Paul says today in Romans 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Epiphany reveals that Christ Jesus came for you in your baptism. Let's strive to make 2024 a building year. Take the wood of that cross. Build an ark for yourself. Build an ark and a refuge for your family. An ark of faithfulness. Water and nurture the word of God here at church and in your homes. That your family tree may grow roots and weather any storm. Encourage one another with hymns and songs and words of encouragement. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Pray without ceasing together as a family. 
pray with your brothers and sisters in your church family, but daily remember your baptism. Be willing to stand steadfast in the promises that Christ gives you from this wooden ark, this altar, that indeed it has been epiphanied. It's been revealed to you that under this bread and wine is the very body and blood of Christ for your forgiveness. Only live lives worthy of him being placed in your hands. Turn from the world and the ways of the devil. Confess your sins. Confess to one another. Pray for discernment that you would not be swept away in God's judgment of evil when he returns. For God has claimed you. God has claimed you as his own so that you may call upon him. He is your father. He will provide for you. He will protect you, for you are family after all. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.